Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And I know on this show and within the cast, they've all been saying, at least we're seeing a different side of Erica, but it's gotten to be a little bit too far, right? Like this episode, we're seeing the splits just excuse the behavior. And it's like, well, this is a great side of Erica. And I'm like, is this a good side of Erica? I mean, it's one thing to be drunk on the boat, but now to be drunk and yelling at a 14-year-old kid, uh uh-uh. Uh uh-uh. uh. Somebody should have cold cocked her honky ass because I do not approve of her. I do not approve of this message of her just going after the Garcelle's son. And then she's trying to have sex with the other son. She's calling Oliver over and she's like, Do you want a three way? And poor Oliver's like, Uh, no thanks. <laughs> she's even asking Oliver, like, Do you have a significant other? And first of all, she should know that he has a significant other, right? Like, she should know that you know Garcelle. So back off if somebody's got a significant other. Instead, she's like, Get in my DMs and I want to fuck you and your wife. And it's like, uh, Erica, stop it. Stop it. Uh, so we have so much we got to talk about with this episode and with the social media of it all. So uh, we're going to just dive right in this week. I don't have any detours for us, but we're going to dive right in. So here we go. Here we go. One more time. Everybody's feeling fine. Here we go now. Yes, yes, yes. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, I added that back to the soundboard. We needed it. Okay, so we're back at Garcelle's party, right? Like, we ended last week on the party. We opened this week with hip-hop Rob dancing up a storm. You know, there was one point in the episode where they say that Kyle cleared the cleared the floor with the splits. She, you know, cleaned it all up for them. And so here we we open with them dancing. We saw splits doing the splits last week, and now we see hip-hop Rob dancing. And I'm loving hip-hop Rob. I am. Something about, I don't know, he's... A whole new world's been opened up to me with Hip Hop Rob, and I think I'm on board with him this week. Last week, I was kind of unsure. I think I was just taken by surprise. You know when someone throws a new piece of information at you, and you're trying to just process it, like your brain's just trying to understand like where we are in space and time with Hip Hop Rob. And now this week, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to embrace Hip Hop Rob. I see who this man is now. I'm getting a little bit better footing with him. And so when I saw him dancing, it wasn't much of a shock to the system. Instead, I was like, oh, okay, I like this hip-hop rap man. Not only did he make The Lion King, but he's also dancing. So I'm into him. Uh, but Erica, Bamboozle Jane, she's just been, again, drinking up a storm. She's asking, where's the bartender? Where's my drink? 
and she's just asking for all the cocktails. And I'm surprised that I'm surprised that no one just like physically took the drink out of the hand. And I know with this narrative of like everyone saying, oh, this is a great side of her. I just, I'm happy that it seems like we're shifting later on in the episode. We saw them at Sutton's house and Garcelle's the first one to really finally say like, this is not okay. This kind of drinking is not okay because she's trying to fuck my son and then making fun of the other one or not making fun of, but saying like, get the fuck out, get the fuck out. And so I'm finally happy that that narrative shifting because it's, it started to become troublesome. Again, I'm okay with drunk on a yacht, Erica, love that side of her, but I'm not really loving the side of her where it's like yelling at the kid. Meanwhile, in the other corner of the party, Sutton sitting down with Room 23's Diana Jenkins and having that conversation where we left off last week. Remember, Sutton called her soulless. So that was going on last week. And then everyone's blackout drunk. Like, I don't even know how they remember this stuff because you were, they were all slurring their words. Kyle was literally physically pushing Sutton the whole time Sutton's talking. She just kept hitting her. And I was waiting for Sutton to cold cock her honky ass as well because Kyle was just in the corner. Imagine what a nuisance it'd be when somebody's just hitting you and you're trying to have a conversation with this other person. It's like, I'm surprised Kyle didn't, or Sutton didn't say, get the fuck out, Kyle. How about you get the fuck out? Like, what are you doing in this conversation? You have no part of it. And I don't know why Kyle is back in the wrong horse here. I mean, why is Kyle back in Diana? I think, and I know a lot of people online are saying this too, there's like this theory that maybe Diana has some business with Mauricio. I don't know. That's where our minds always go, right? It's like, because I think previously in the shows, there was always that thing of like, oh, well, this person's doing real estate business with Mauricio. So that's why Kyle's getting along with Adrian Malouf-Hoof. And now people are saying, that's why she's getting along with Diana. And I don't even know what happened with the relationship with Malouf-Hoof, but I'm not sure where it stands with Malouf-Hoof. And so it's like, does she have, does Diana, Room 23's Diana Jenkins have business with Maurice? I'm not sure. But it seems weird that Kyle is just, she's backing up Diana when she's known Sutton for longer. What's the deal here? And Diana is so, in my opinion, so clearly in the wrong and such a flop on this show. But it seems like you're back in the wrong horse here. So anyway, she's meanwhile just pushing Sutton. And then Sutton tries to connect with Diana Jenkins, Room 23's Diana Jenkins. And she's trying to connect over a miscarriage. And she reveals this very uh, raw thing about having two miscarriages. And Kyle's just in the corner like, that's bullshit. And it's like, is it bullshit or is she just trying to connect with her? And you just don't say that. I mean, of all the things to say, you just don't say it. I know that later in the episode, Kyle sort of apologized. And social media was in an uproar about this because this clip had gone online before the episode aired. And we do see that Sutton forgave uh, Kyle and Kyle sort of apologized even though the apology later was sort of bullshit too. Did anyone think that when they were sitting down at the restaurant and Kyle's like, it's so hard to apologize to you. It's like, don't yell at me while you're trying to apologize to me. That's unacceptable. Unacceptable. Sutton, I really, I was on her side this week. I was on her side and I feel like she's putting up with a lot and she's really driving this whole show forward because them other gals aren't working for their paychecks. Okay. I'm going to need them all to step up because Sutton is earning, she should be earning twice the pay of all these women because she's in every feud with everybody. She's fighting with Room 23's Diana Jenkins. That's what we're going to call her from now on. Room 23, Diana Jenkins. That's the name of the book, right? Did I get that wrong? Was that a Jim Carrey movie? Or was there something called the the number twenty three? That was a Jim Carrey movie. Anyway, uh, okay, so yeah, they're fighting in one uh, corner, and Kyle's saying you're just saying that out of the blue about your miscarriages. 
And it's like, sometimes you open up when it's appropriate, you dummy. Like, that's, <laughs> that's what I was shouting at my screen. It's like, everyone thinks that Sutton is just like saying things. And I actually think Sutton is just opening up when appropriate about things that are very personal to you. And you're doing it to connect with another human being. It's like, Kyle, stop being a dummy. <laughs> Sutton says, this is me being real. You're being a motherfucker. And they're drunk. And room 23's Diana Jenkins did not take kindly to that term motherfucker because she said that with the language barrier, she said she thought that meant literally that you fuck your mother. And that's not, of course, what Sutton meant. Uh, but Kyle insinuating Sutton's lying about the miscarriage is dark. Again, I don't understand why splits is all up room 23's Diana Jenkins' ass. Uh, but I think all these women, they always side with the money, Right. They always side with whoever has the most money. And I think Sutton came in here, and Sutton's very rich. But now Room 23 is even richer than Sutton. And so I think that has all the gals in, an, uh, in, a, in a hissy, because they don't know who is more rich. So they're trying to decide, and I think they're siding with Diana Jenkins. And I think they're making a mistake here. And I think they're going to realize that, and they're going to course correct. Because these women also, they they see where the audience is siding, and then they tend to course correct. Although they didn't really do that with Bamboozle Jane, did they? they? I don't know. They still sided with her, even though it seemed like the wrong horse as well. Anyway, Sutton and Diana do hug. They have an awkward hug. Diana leaves with Asher, the husband who looks like Constantine from American Idol. And then uh, Erica, that's when she calls over Oliver. She's like, Garcelle, where's your hot son? I want to fuck him. I want a three-way. Have your wife in my DMs so we can get a three-way in. And Oliver is just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Erica tells uh, the other son to get the fuck out before you get in trouble. And what was really funny, though, was Dorit, because she was like, son's just getting the flowers. It was like her ax- the heavy accent came out. You know, she's like, Erica, her son is just getting the flowers. And it was like Austin Powers trying to explain explain the Garcelle's son and why he was over there getting the flowers. He's just trying to get the flowers. <laughs> just getting flowers for his mama. Mama. She's using mama, too. I love when she uses the mama. Just getting the flowers for the mama. And then, ultimately, everyone leaves, and it seems like Bamboozle Jane's all alone at the party with the bartender as he's cleaning up. And I wonder, how many drinks did she have after after production shut down? Because I do believe she was sitting on that couch as if she was not leaving. She was not budging. She didn't want to go home. She was ready to sit at that. I bet she slept there. I don't know where that party was held, but I think she slept there. I think she fell asleep on the couch and woke up and was like, where am I? Am I? Did I fuck Oliver? You know, she's confused. She's trying to wake up. And we've all been there, right? You wake up somewhere and you're like, how did I sleep here? How did I get here? I mean, I've certainly been in that place before. Ladies, am I right? You wake up and you look around and you say, how did I get in this, this guy, this frat guy's room? You know, it was, did I sleep on my knees or where am I waking up? Like, how did this happen? Right? That all happened to us in college. And in our 20s, and maybe last week. Anyway, moving on. Uh, then we cut to the reel. It's Christmas time there. Garcelle is, of course, one of the cast members of the reel. And I love that it's Christmas time. You know, I love the holidays. Just seeing the wreaths, the wreaths. I loved it. I love it. And there's one even seen later in the episode where Bamboozle Jane was in the car going over to Sutton's house party. And she asked the driver, she said, can you put on some classical music? And he's like, what station? She said, I don't know. And then just put on some Christmas music. And he put on 103.5, which you're in LA, soft rock station. And uh, actually, 103.5 is not. I think it's, no, they do holiday music. 
And so she was listening to holiday music, and we even saw a little snippet, which we don't normally get music on the shows, but because I think a lot of the holiday music is royalty-free because it's so old, we were able to see a little clip of Bamboozle Jane just listening to fucking Jingle Bells or Feliz Navidad or whatever the fuck was playing on that Christmas station. And I just loved it. And I, I, I always say I wish my housewives would release holiday music. And I did say that for years on the podcast, and then Countess Luann last season released a holiday song. However, I don't count that as a song. Has anyone heard it? I don't count it. It doesn't count. I mean, it's a terrible, what do I want for Christmas? Just you. I mean, somebody should have put her in jail for that. Somebody should have locked up Luann. I know she's been locked up before. Somebody should have locked her up for that song, because that song... Luann with that low voice. It was there was no mel- melodic singing. It was what do I want for Christmas? Just you. And then she put fucking Ramona on the track. It's like I don't need to hear Ramona on a track for Christmas. And then I mean that was the low point. That was low point. So I'm just not counting that. And I'm going to need some other housewives to act, uh, make my memory forget that, like Men in Black style. Somehow make my memory forget it. Remember that movie, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, where you could go through a procedure where you could forget things? I need to forget that that song happened, and I need somebody else to release a new Christmas song, because that one doesn't count. Put her in jail. Sorry, Luann. I'm not saying you need to go to jail for life. I'm just saying somebody should lock you up for putting out that song. Unacceptable. And I love Luann's music. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Countess speaking. I love that. Okay, I love that shit. I just don't love the, what do I want for Christmas? Whatever. And my Luann is really just the cookie monster again. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, so then um, Garcelle says enough. She's sick of Erica Jane. But she's Garcelle's got a lot of class. Got a lot of class. She just walks out of that party, and she doesn't engage. And I'm I'm both proud of her, and I, I wish that somebody would yell at Erica Jane in the moment. Even Dreet, who, of course, Dreet in the moment was like, he's just getting flowers for his mama. And I wish... Dorit would also have yelled at Erica Jane. And then later in the episode, we see Dorit excusing all the behavior with Maurice and PK and Kyle. And it's like, well, which is it, Dorit? Like, you were there. You saw how she talked. So why didn't you say anything in the moment? And then why are you excusing it later on? I mean, come on. Come on, Dorit. What is Dorit doing? I'm, I'm sick of Dorit. I'm sick of her. And God bless Dorit and the Kemsleys. But I'm sick of them. Okay, then we cut to, speaking of Dorit, we cut to a scene with her and Crystal doing a self-defense class at the Hollywood Dojo. And Crystal drops a tooth bomb. And I want to say this because I think it's important for us all to know, trauma always catches up. Crystal was right. Trauma always catches up. And you think you can escape it, but you cannot escape it. It's going to catch up with you eventually, one way or another. It's going to get you good. The instructor, though, I was pretty focused. I know this was a, supposed to be an empowering scene about Dorit coming into her own and getting her self-defense on, but I was too focused in the instructor not wearing shoes or socks in this place. And I got to tell you a story. Sit, sit tight, little bear, because I got to tell you a quick little story. I used to do CrossFit for years. I know. I know you can't, can't even believe it. I used to do CrossFit. And when I would go to this place... I would take, sometimes they would have other classes. There was a back room, and I'm not going to say the name of the place, but there was a back room where you could do kickboxing classes. And sometimes I would go, it'd be sort of like this mix of kickboxing and and CrossFit moves. And the instructor never wore shoes or socks. And they made the class not wear shoes or socks. Now, in the era of COVID and monkeypox and all of these things, I can't even believe that I would go into this classroom, and I took the class upwards of three times. Upwards of three times. 
I took this kickboxing class and everybody would sweat so much. They didn't have air in this room. You would sit in this heat box without shoes or socks on, running barefoot with your hooves, touching the floor, your sweaty hooves getting everywhere. I mean, it was disgusting. And on your hands, you'd put the gloves because it was kickboxing class. You'd hit the thing. But you would run around the class and you would literally, I, there was one time I remember I just slid. It was like a, a cartoon or something. I slid on the floor as if I was stepped on a banana peel because you're just sitting on everyone's sweat with your bare ass feet. I mean, I can't even believe that I did that. I'm not proud of it. And I did CrossFit for upwards of like three or four years. I was really in shape, but it's a mess. <laughs> it was a mess. I mean, it was, I look back at it now, I'm like, oh, we were sort of, it was sort of cultish, you know? I'm not saying every CrossFit is like that, but I'd say about 90%. And so, you know, it's a different world. Was I in shape? Sure. Was I also possibly in a cult? Yes, I certainly was. And so I'm not going to name the name of the place. But the fact that we all just went ahead and just were running around with our bare hooves out, I mean, it was disgusting. Wear socks. The first time I went, too, I remember I would try to keep the socks on. They were like, you got to take the socks off. I'm like, excuse me? I'm like, what's that now? What's what's that now? I'm going to take off the socks and just have my tootsies out? My mom used to call them tootsies. She still does. She's like, oh, you're tootsies. I mean, people say that, tootsies. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I don't know. They, I, I don't know what Dorit was. They were at least wearing shoes and socks. God bless, because the instructor was not. But I did have this idea uh, that Dorit should be in like an Apollo Creed movie. Do you remember that movie Enough with Jayla where she learned Krav Maga? Krav Maga, is that what it's called? Remember that movie with Jayla? It was called Enough. And it was based on Taylor Armstrong. No, it wasn't. I wish it was. Enough. I wish it was. But no, I sort of had this idea, like, I would love to see Dorit sort of starring in, or maybe a reality version where she just gets, like, crazy fit and she learns Krav Maga and, like, all these self-defense things. And I don't know. I just, I was imagining this other world where Dorit was in a movie like that. And I was loving it. And she does say the trauma is in her blood. She says she feels it in her blood. And when I've had super anxious times or when I was in my pretty bad depression, one of the symptoms I had was like really itchy skin. I know this is gross, but I feel like it's important to share. And I found out it was like that was my anxiety. That's a symptom of anxiety and stress can be itching where your blood feels itchy, if that makes sense. And so I felt for Dorit in this moment. So although I'm sick of her and want her off the show, I did feel bad for her in that moment because, you know, that's anxiety coming out. I think that's stress, that's anxiety, that could be other things, mental health stuff coming out where you're feeling it in your blood. And so I hope she gets the help she needs. And I don't think being on a show like this is good for her. So when I say get her off the fucking show, I actually think I'm looking out for her because it's not good to be on one of these TV shows, especially after you've gone through a trauma. So Dorit, you need to get off. And somebody should have stepped in and said, get off the fucking show. I mean, just canceled the show. Uh, then we cut to Splits and Sutton. This is when they're having that dinner. And Sutton's got the book that's a bag. Oh, my God, I loved it. I wanted that. I don't, I wanted that bag. It was like a, a clutch that looked like a book. I was obsessed. Anyway, they both ordered pasta. Sutton got the gnocchi, and Kyle got the, Kyle got the other pasta. And they looked delicious. And I wish Kyle would have just said, oh, I was sorry I was wasted. Instead, she sort of apologized and then again yells at her. But Sutton takes the apology, and so whatever. Uh, she does also mock the punching. And I thought, it's Kyle was sort of mocking the punching with Sutton. And I was like, okay, Kyle, if you were to do that to someone else, you're lucky you did that to Sutton. Cause somebody else might have been more pissed about the punching while she was trying to have a conversation with Room 23's Diana Jenkins. Do you get what I mean? 
<sighs> By the way, I said somebody should cold cock their honky asses, and that's just a figure of speech. I don't, I don't want to encourage violence. Okay, I just don't want people yell at me. That's also a line from the movie Superstar. Remember that movie where Molly <laughs> loved that movie? Molly Shannon told the nun she was going to cold cock her honky ass, and it always made me laugh. So that's why we're saying that. Okay, I don't want you guys are yelling at me saying I promote violence, and I don't. But I do promote using the phrase cold cock your honky ass from the movie superstar an underrated film uh shall we take a break here i think we need to take our quick break i want to thank Acast. find me on social media at danny pellegrino on twitter and instagram and we'll be right back yeah, 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 yeah. look the weather's getting warmer you got to ditch the jackets, the sweaters, and you got to put on some shorts and tees. And if you're anything like me, you hate getting all the new stuff. But luckily, I've found Quince, and Quince makes it so easy uh, to get clothes. I used to waste my money on clothes that would only last one season. That was until I found out about Quince. Now I've got high-quality pieces that never go out of style that I'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all of the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos. Those are my personal favorite. I always love getting new polos for the summertime, and they have a fantastic selection. I'm very particular about the collar, and I love the collar on the performance polos that I got. They also have versatile flow-knit activewear, and the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes, which I love. Feel good about shopping with them. Now, again, I got those polos, but I also got some shorts, some t-shirts, just some basics that I can wear year-round. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to Quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 300 65 day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash iconic. All right. I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listing, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. And we're back. We see all the gals getting ready for Thanksgiving dinner. It was nice to see Garcelle and Crystal. They were serving at the Los Angeles Mission, which is a great organization that does have Thanksgiving meals for people who need them. And we see Dorit at her Thanksgiving. And it's a lot of cell phone footage. We saw Kyle at home with Maurice the day before Thanksgiving getting ready. And they had a cute little moment saying that their family's expanding and that the kids are having significant others and having other kids. Uh, and then we see footage from 
from Kyle, the Splits Richards Thanksgiving. And not only was Kim there, it was so exciting to see a Kim appearance. Then we saw a Kathy appearance, Kathy's first one. We saw Kim's fudge, and I was having a great time at Kyle's Thanksgiving. I was like, I'd like us all to touch down there for even longer, right? Like, I want to see what's happening. I want to know who else is there. Rick and Kathy Hilton, Kim Richards was there. And then suddenly, I see Teddy Mellencamp. Baby, keep it to yourself. I don't want to know. And I... <laughs> I just want to play that song clip, you guys. But I would have liked to touch down there. I mean, I don't know if we need to touch down with everyone there, but I would like to see, like, what's happening with Kim. Like, just give us a little something. to Just have that quick cutaway of Kim Richards, who I miss dearly, and I hope and pray that she's doing well, and I I just want to know what's up. I want to know that we're moving forward with Kim and that things are good on her end, and I just miss her. And you know how I've always said I want a Kim and Kyle and Kathy scene, a full three-person scene between them. Not just a little cutaway of someone's cell phone footage. I want to see a sit-down between the three gals, the three sisters. Because I need that. We all need that. We all need that. And then by the time Thanksgiving's over, we finally see Rinna sits down with Room 23's Diana Jenkins at her house. And it's revealed that uh, Diana had just sold an $87 million house $87 million house. It reminds me of that show Selling Sunset. Remember, Davina's trying to sell that 70-something million dollar house. She never was able to sell it. Uh, but she, Diana Jenkins, at an 87, what is even, I can't even imagine the size of a house like that. Can't even imagine, like, what do you do? Do you need it? Does anyone need that big of a house? I don't believe so. Uh, but Diana does say that her daughters live in ABBA, Dancing Queen specifically. And I got to say, I'm in the same boat at this household because Matt has just recently gotten really into ABBA. You know, Matt's more of like a hip hop, very similar to hip hop Rob. Matt's more of a hip hop listener. And suddenly he's playing a lot of ABBA and I don't know what's going on. It's like he's always telling the, the robots, the robots in the house, you know, the Alexas. He's always telling them. I can't say their names too loud because they'll hear me. Uh, but he's always telling them to play, you know, Dancing Queen or whatever. I, there was one that's going around on TikTok. He's always making them play it. I'm like, oh, my God. And I like ABBA. I love ABBA, in fact. But it seems like Matt is moving in the same direction as Room 23's Diana Jenkins' young daughter. And so I don't know. There's some connection there, some connection there. But when they sit down, Diana and Rena to have their two-person scene, of course, they see a hummingbird. And Rena says, that's Lois. And again, everyone grieves differently. And I can't even imagine filming while grieving. But every time we see a bird on the show now, we're saying that's Lois. It's, and there's a lot of birds. You know, back on Roni, we used to always say, we used to laugh with Dorinda when she would see the red balloon and think it was Richard and she would see, and we'd laugh. But truthfully, in retrospect, that only happened once or twice, right? Like that was only happening once or twice. Now on Beverly Hills, every single episode, we're seeing a bird. And of course, we're seeing a bird every episode because birds are pretty prevalent creatures. It's not like seeing a red balloon where you're, okay, you see that once every, maybe every three months, you see a red balloon in real life. Like, I'd like to know the statistics on that. How often do I see a red balloon in my real life? But a bird, I see every five minutes, five fucking minutes. I see a hummingbird in the yard. When I look out a window, I see a bird. And so every time we're seeing a bird, we're like, oh, there, there's Lois. There's Lois. There's Lois. If you're a bird, I'm a bird. Wasn't that a, uh, a quote from the notebook? Uh, anyway, I'm glad Lois is flying all around town, but I'm just... I'm just skeptical that every every bird we see flying around is Lois. I'm just I, I don't know. Maybe that's that's just me. 
Again, holidays, though, is even the harder time for grief. I can't even imagine grief in general. But then during the holidays, it's like you get set. Everything reminds you of the significant other or the person you lost. You're always thinking about it. Speaking of Dorinda, though, you guys, is anyone watching Ultimate Girls Trip? Episode four was rough. I mean, for the Dorinda fans like myself, you know, I love Dorinda, but it was a tough episode to watch. You know, she's yelling at everybody. She first yelling, she yelling at Tamara for having the yogurt in the house. And here's what I got to say about that. You know, we didn't recover it because it was the holiday week, but I do want to just say a couple quick things about Ultimate Girls Trip episode four that aired last week. And then we got episode five coming up, which we'll talk about. So we'll get into more detail in the next episode recap. But I do want to say that I'm not excusing the behavior, okay? Because you guys are going to say, oh, you you're love Dorinda, so of course you're not going to say anything. I am going to say that she definitely flies off the handle and says really horrific things when she's drunk. Of course, we know that. But I do have to just say, imagine you have a house and all of these women are staying in your house. And these women include Vicky Gunvalson and some of these other gals. Could you imagine the amount of rage? I would feel, I don't even like having one house guest. Okay. I don't like one house guest, whether I love them or not. I don't like having a house guest. Right. And to have a house guest, uh, like all of those women for eight full fucking days, the amount of rage I would be filled with would be, uh, the limit does not exist. So I'm not excusing the behavior. I mean, it was some of the things she always goes below the belt. I get that. I get that. I'm just saying I too. <laughs> I always just defend her rage because I feel like it's out of its time. And uh, could you imagine sitting in your own house and having these people there? Not only a full camera crew, but also people like Vicky Gumbelson. I mean, wouldn't you be yelling at everybody? And then, of course, she's yelling at Tamara about the food in the room, but she gave everyone the cupcakes, so she shouldn't be yelling about that. And then later in the episode, she what did she get in a fight with somebody else? Said, I don't know. It's like every, but it's a thrilling TV show. Oh, you guys, that show. That show, to me, that cast, everybody. Bring them all back. Bring them on another vacation because I think that cast is flawless, perfect as it is. Even the people we don't like, I want back. The people we do like, the people we don't like, I think it's a perfect mix of giving us every which way of drama. I'm super excited for episode five. I love it. But I can't condone the behavior of Dorinda. Of course not. However, <laughs> however, the rage. I'm, I'm just saying, I... Let's put ourselves in all these other positions. What was the other situation? Oh, the other fight was Jill and Dorinda because Jill Zeron is acting a little thirsty trying to get on Evie's radio show. But then Dorinda inserted herself when she shouldn't have and she got in a fight with Jill Zarin. And I thought that was especially hard to watch. And you know it's bad when you're siding with Jill Zarin because I think the problem with that fight was like, we know Jill doesn't drink. And so seeing uh, Dorinda after a few too many martinis going after Jill, I think was a little bit tough. However, Jill was acting thirsty and it led to one of my favorite moments I think I've ever seen on a house size franchise when all the gals were in the confessional room and we were seeing them in a confessional room fighting with each other. I mean, I got the fucking chills. I have the no, chills. No. I got the fucking chills. But I was on Jill's side with that one because I felt like there's obviously some sort of underlying issue. We're going to talk more about it. You guys, I'm going to zip my lips because we're going to talk more about it. we got to get back to Beverly Hills. But on the next recap, we'll talk more Ultimate Girls Trip because I have too many thoughts. I have too many thoughts. Okay, so what was going on with Beverly Hills? Then we cut to a scene at Spliss and Maurice's house. And as they're getting ready for PK and Dorit to show up, they talk about what they're wearing and Splits is criticizing Maurice for wearing what she says is color blocking or something. I'm like, who cares? He's hot in stone. Leave him alone. Leave Maurice alone. 
Then Dorit and PK finally arrive. Kyle and Dorit sit down and they talk about moving. Dorit is thinking about moving after the robbery, which I can only imagine what one must go through and wanting to move. And Split says she had a robbery and wanted to move. And although her robbery was something completely different, she still wanted to move. Uh, and then Dorit eventually calls PK over to the couch. She says, PK, come sit here, my baby. Baby, that was her exact phrase. <laughs> she said, PK, come sit here, my baby. And then he sits down. Okay. And then PK's got some PTSD too, because he arrived at Kyle uh, Splits Richards and Maurice's house the night of the home invasion. And we only got half the story in the premiere episode of The Real Houses of Beverly Hills, because although that was an incredibly intense episode, remember we saw footage of the robbers breaking into Dorit and PK's house, and we saw Dorit crying, and then PK was out of town, he comes home and he gets there at the night of the invasion, and it was so intense. But the Bravo editors cut out half the story, because we learned this week, we learned this week that the night of the home invasion, while PK was traveling... And he arrived at Kyle and Maurice's house the night of the invasion. He was wearing leggings. Now, we've all been there. I told you guys the stories about how the... Remember when I was on the book tour, I accidentally put on some costume leggings. And when I was riding on the plane, so I've been there, PK. Now, let me also say that PK is a thick-legged man. He's got a dump truck ass and some thick legs. And for that, I say, God bless. But... Oftentimes, when I we wear pants, I have some thick uh, stems, too. I got some thick gams on me. And I know that sometimes you put on a pants, and they don't make them for thick-legged people like me and PK, okay? And so oftentimes, uh, regular pants look like leggings. Now, I do want to say, again, I did accidentally wear women's leggings one time on a tour when I accidentally put them on. But with regular pants, especially back five years ago-ish, Every pant you'd put on was made for everything was a skinny jean with a tapered bottom. And if you got a dump truck ass and thick legs like me and PK, you can't be wearing those. They look like leggings. So I, do I think he was wearing actual leggings? I'm not sure. Uh, but I do want to send my condolences to PK because I know it's like you put on some those skinny jeans. I'm glad we're getting in the baggy phase now. People are wearing baggy pants. When I was in high school, thank God we had baggy pants out the wazoo. Nothing fit right. Remember that was the era in 2000. When was I in high school? 2004-ish. You know, you're wearing the baggy jeans. It was nice. Uh, and then everything went the opposite way. Everything was like tight-legged. And it's just, it, for thick-legged men, it's not so easy. So I'm with you, PK. I'm with you. Then they talk about Erica, which we kind of already went over, where Kyle says, I like seeing this more relaxed side of her. Dorit says she's loose and free and fun, and it's so weird. <laughs> it's like, well, she's fucked up on pills, and she's yelling at a 14-year-old boy, but I suppose let's all excuse it as like fun behavior. Now, again, I was excusing it as fun behavior last week or two weeks ago when they were on the yacht, but now it's a little bit different when you're going after the kid and trying to fuck Oliver. It's different. It's different. And uh, as I've seen pointed out, Erica and Eileen, remember that old situation when Bamboozle Jane was like, you don't know what I go through every night. <laughs> Remember that situation? And Eileen didn't even barely say anything about Bamboozle Jane's son, but she went nuts. And here she was saying all this awful stuff to Garcelle's son. So, you know what? Garcelle, I want you next week to yell at Bamboozle Jane and say, You don't know what I go there every night. <laughs> you don't know what I go there every night. I love that scene. <laughs> I love that scene. I love that scene. Then we cut to Sutton. Her house still isn't done, but she's doing a party anyway. Uh, and then Garcelle and Cherie are getting ready for this party. And Cherie is going to the party because the cast is flopping. 
I mentioned that last week. That's the only reason we're getting Sheree, and I'm glad we're getting Sheree, and we need her in this cast. I'm just saying, I think the producers didn't ultimately think they would have to add cast members midway through the season, but they are now. They are now. And so, Sheree, I'm into Sheree. I want to know more about her, and I want us to touch down on her for a little bit longer than we've been touching down on her. Because we get these little quick moments, and I'm like, that's not enough. I need to know more about her backstory. We know about the Will Smith thing, but who else is she? Right? She does say she's going to be back up for Garcelle and she's going to set that bitch straight. And I was ready. I was excited for her to set some bitches straight. And so I just would like us to know a little bit more about this one because she seems great. She seems great. Meanwhile, at Sutton's house, she's getting nervous because it's got wet grass everywhere. Now, it did rain. This was shot in December. And I remember last December was a especially rainy time here in Los Angeles. But Rinna arrived in some Spice World platform shoes. And it was like red, white, and blue. It was a shocking look. It was. A sh- I think she described it on social media as like Casino meets Beverly Hills. And I'm not sure that's what I was getting from it. I was getting 1997 Spice World meets uh, Yolanda Foster with the slick back hair. That's the look I was getting from it. But, you know, to each its own, I did like that it was giving me something. But with the wet grass, nobody could walk in the grass. So then these women all made the- Sutton get all of her sandals out and fur coats and everything out the wazoo. It was like they had to bring new whole new wardrobes out for these women. And it didn't look that wet grass to me. I mean, it didn't look very wet. They kept showing close-ups of it. Did anyone else feel that way? I felt like they kept showing us a close-up of the grass. And I was like, I don't even see a drop of water nowhere. I didn't see one little bit of mud. It might have been like a little bit damp. But also shoes are supposed to be, I mean, if it was so like a mudslide or something like that, I would understand maybe the women not wanting to walk in their shoes in the grass. But as it stands, it didn't seem like that much to me. And then I just kept thinking, like, why don't they just put a towel down, right? Like, Rinna was standing on the by the doorway for like twenty minutes, just waiting for the waiting for the flip flops to come downstairs. And I was thinking it would have been so much easier for them to just put a towel down so they could walk to the table. Even though, again, I didn't see any water, I didn't see nothing. I just thought they were making a big mountain out of a molehill, a mountain out of a dry ass molehill, because it didn't seem very wet to me, not to my naked eye. And and with the furs too, which normally I think I'm naive a little bit because sometimes when they women are wearing the furs, I always just assume they're wearing faux fur because it doesn't it seem like why would you go on a reality show wearing fur? I don't like it. I, I'm not someone who likes fur anyway, but it seems so stupid. <laughs> like, doesn't it seem stupid? Like in 2022 to be wearing your furs and then the fact that Sutton's got a hundred fucking furs in the closet. I'm like, maybe that's not the best look. And again, for for animal rights, but also just it seems like optics wise, what are we doing here, Sutton? Why do you got a hundred furs in the closet? But maybe I don't know. And I always just assume they're faux when I see the feathers. I'm like, oh, they're faux because I just assume everything's faux. But I'm just stupid. I'm a dummy. I'm a big old dummy. <laughs> I'm a big old dummy. Anyway, uh, let's see. The so they got this. Whole thing outside. I like the vibe. I like the the vibe of Sutton's house. Uh, I do not like when they all arrive and get their drinks and Dorit's got to order the drink with the carcass out. I'm going to need her to stop at the carcass out, right? Is anyone else feeling that way? Every time she orders a drink on this show, carcass out. Now, I've bartended for many a year, and I don't remember not one time somebody ordering something with a carcass out. You'll get the carcass out of you. Give you the carcass, Okay. If you want a lemon wedge, uh, you better tip well, too. Did any of them tip them cater waiters at the house? I'm sure Sutton gave them a tip, but I quite frankly feel if you're going to order a carcass out, you better slip a 20 in the jar, 
right? I didn't see a jar on the counter. And I know at some of these fancy parties, they don't put a tip jar out. They assume that the host is going to tip. But I still feel like Dorit should have slipped him a 20 if you're going to order the carcass out. Because it's like if somebody, when I was bartender and ordered the carcass out, granted, I wasn't like an expert bartender, but I did bartend for a couple of years. And I would be confused at first. I'd be like, I only know because of Dorit ordering the carcass out. And I went to literally went to bartending school. That's how I became a bartender because I did the bartending classes. And then I got a job right out of the bartending school. But I don't remember learning about carcass out. And even PK was like, I never heard of this. And and then he said, until Dorit started ordering, and then we see her order it every which way. It's like, does it make that big of a difference with the lemon wedge? A lemon wedge is a lemon wedge. You don't need to get the carcass out. Ugh. Carcass out. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. They all gave her candles, Sutton. Everyone arrived with a candle. Erica's like, "This is my favorite candle." And then Rena was like, here's my candle. And meanwhile, when Rena saw Erica, she gave her a you bitch. Did anyone catch it? You bitch. <laughs> you know, they're always you bitch. Hey, bitch. You bitch. Hey, bitch. They did it again this time. Rena said to Erica. I think it was like later on after Erica arrived, Rena's like, you bitch. And I loved it. I loved it. And I also hated it with all of my soul. <laughs> you bitch. Hey, bitch. You bitch. It's like, oh. And then there's this awkwardness between Garcelle and Erica. And I I don't know why neither of them addressed it. The only thing I could think of was like producers wanted them to wait. You know, sometimes I imagine producers are like, wait till you're all sitting down. Like, we they, we don't want you to do this one-on-one. We'd rather you do it at the table. So I imagine next week it's coming. And that's what I'm choosing to believe. And I might be wrong on that. But it seemed like they would have addressed it unless the producers were like, hey, wait to address. Because there was that awkward hello between Erica and Garcelle. And I just feel like one of them would have said, like, I'm sorry, or you should be sorry. You know, like one of them would have said something. 
Um, anyway, what else is going on? We get the we get the meal, and did anyone else see they just served a salad? Was I mistaken? Did they just get a salad? I need an SOS on the menu because I feel like Sutton just served a salad and nothing else. Anyone else feel that way? I think they asked. She's like, oh, there's dessert coming afterwards. But I was like, is this the meal? Like, this was a seated meal. If somebody just served me that little side salad, I'd be pissed. And meanwhile, they're all wearing the furs and the flip-flops and they're eating a salad. It's like we're in the, what was that documentary with Little Edie? That's kind of how I felt. Did anyone feel that way at Sutton's house? Like, the house is half done. They're all wearing a bunch of used furs and wearing flip-flops with the furs and then eating a side salad. I was like, I swear I'm in that documentary with Little Little and Big Edie. Like, what? Like, didn't it, it? It felt that way. There's something that felt like completely off and not very Beverly Hillsy about it. Like a half-done house, a side salad, big old furs and flip-flops. And it was like Rina with the hair that way, talking about the birds being her mom. It was like, I feel like we're in little E land. Like all of these women are so deranged and we're all just accepting that. We're just like, oh, that's Beverly Hills. And it's like, <laughs> when you really think about it, this was one of the most absurd, unhinged scenes we've ever seen on this, this or any other Housewives franchise. Just sitting like, oh, there's my mom and the birds. And then it got the hair slicked back, wearing flip-flops with the fur and only eating a side salad in the mud. Like, it was like fucking crazy. It was fucking nuts. And yet we all were just like, well, that's house, that's Beverly Hills for you. And I was like, oh no, they all look fucking insane. Meanwhile, Diana didn't even show up, didn't text or nothing. Didn't show up, did not text or nothing. Whew. Dorit, meanwhile, they were like, oh, Dorit, how you been? You know, I think they were just going around the table. And every time it feels like this happens in every episode where they're like, Dorit, how are you? Like, what's going on with you? And she's like, well, I've had challenges. And it's like a Dorit downer. And I understand why she's a downer. I would be too. But again, that's why maybe she shouldn't have filmed this season. Because every time they cut to her, how are you? And she's like, well, I've been better. I'm on this journey. And it's tough. She can't even drive. And I feel bad. I feel terrible that she can't drive. I feel terrible. Brenna says, it'll be okay. I'll take care of you. Uh, then Diana, uh, again, did she do sick or something? I don't care. And Sutton says, I don't like passive aggressive behavior at the table. And then, uh, Rina says, Oh, that's the pot calling the kettle. Did you call Diana a motherfucker and solace? And then it's like, bum, bum, bum. And then the episode ends and there's no p- to be continued. Again, last season at this time, there would have been a to be continued on the screen, but I did not see one. My copy of the episode did not have a to be continued. And so I think they're phasing them out. Because we all complained. We said, we don't want to see him every minute. We don't want to see him each week. And so they cut it out. Next week, they finally get into the Erica drinking issue. Diana and Sutton sit down. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, anyway, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you. We have some great guests coming up on the show, so stay tuned to the podcast feed. Wherever you listen to the podcast, be sure to click subscribe or follow. Uh, again, find me on social media. And shall we do our cheesy little cool down? Shall we take a deep breath in? Ah, and hold it. What a stressful week on Beverly Hills. We had a lot going on. Uh, Let's breathe out. Did I already tell you to breathe out? Unclear. Anyway, let's take another deep breath in. Hold it. Uh, Breathe out. I love you all so much for listening. And I hope you all have a great week. And we'll be back on Sunday. We're going to chat a little bit more about Ultimate Girls Trip. We got to get into the nitty gritty of that show. And then we got Atlanta going on. So it was nice to have a little break, but also excited to dive back into our housewives world. Anyway, I love you all so much for listening. Stay safe. Bye-bye.